You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that am. So today, as promised, we're going to be looking a little bit more in-depth, see what Pro Football Focus had to say. It's going to be a little bit different than the regular season, um, just because preseason is different, right? This isn't definitive, and I'll, I'll give you some examples of that later. But, you know, good isn't always as good as it seems. Bad isn't always you know, indicative. The preseason doesn't necessarily act as a good marker for what's going to happen in the regular season is basically what I'm trying to say. However, as far as, you know, highlights and lowlights, I want to just point out a couple of those things because, you know, if you do a really good job, you should get recognition for it. And if you do a really terrible job, we should probably talk about that because, you know, if you have a bad day, that doesn't mean you're going to be a bad pro, but it's not a good thing. And it's, it's you know, you, you definitely need to improve that and vice versa. Also, can't seem to get away from Antonio Brown. If, if there's one player that I wish would go away, it's, it's every, well, pretty much everyone named Antonio because I feel the need to call him Antonio. And I got called out for that, and now I feel subconscious about it. And he just will not stay off of uh, my radar. So briefly touch on uh, that old boy. Before we get into all that goodness, however, just want to remind you about my good friends, best friends, really, actually, which says less about drafting more about my inability to make friends but that's not interesting to you what is interesting is that draft.com is running a fantasy football league that's paying out 3.5 million dollars that's interesting the fact that in a matter of a few weeks you could be a millionaire that's pretty interesting and if you're interested in all this interesting stuff let me tell you about it you can jump in right now join the old snake draft season long best ball no management pick the best players and Draft is going to retroactively put the best players in for that week. No trades, no waiver wire, no salary cap, none of that stuff. And because Draft and I are best friends, for a limited time only, you can get a free entry into the Best Ball Championship when you make your first deposit. But you got to use promo code PACKERNET. Again, that is a free shot at $1 million just by putting in promo code PACKERNET when you make your first deposit. Search Draft in the App Store, go to Draft.com, come play free with promo code PACKERNET. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. So as it stands right now, as far as Mr. Antonio Brown goes, and by the way, my wife pointed out that I also say envelope, which I didn't realize was weird until she pointed it out to me and I realized it does start with an E, just like I realized Antonio starts with an A. And it's like, it probably is envelope, isn't it? But I call it an envelope, and that's the way it goes. I like O's, okay? Can a guy have a favorite letter? Get out of my face. But here's the situation, and I, some people out there are now starting to panic and, and talk about, well, let's be nice because I think he has a mental disorder or something, which I don't know how that's nice to, to blast that out there. Like, I think he's crazy. We should we should be nicer to him because I think he actually has mental problems. I, I don't, uh, yeah, maybe, I don't know. I, I'm not going to take it there. I think he's, um, 
I, I think the best way to put it is he's a guy that told us that he doesn't care about football. He doesn't need football. It's not to say he doesn't have passion, right? He's a hard worker and all that stuff. But he he doesn't care. I mean, he, he, he said in that interview, I don't even remember who it was with. I don't really know if I ever knew who that was. But he's sitting down. He's like, look at this, man. I'm rich, millionaire. This house is paid for. I'm set for life. Hopefully he is because being rich does not mean you're set for life. Just ask Adrian Peterson. But look, I just I think he's a guy that that wants his way, and he knows that um, people don't think he's bluffing. So if he decides I want to wear this helmet, which I gotta be honest, I it almost makes me feel like he's cheating with that helmet or something. Like what what is in that helmet? Like is there a, a little needle at the top that infuses cocaine into your blood system as you're playing? Because something something is weird about this helmet. But according to him, he just can't see as well, um, and he's, I, I guess, worried about that. And, you know, obviously your production is going to fall off if you can't see the ball when it's coming to you. But the, the way I see this is he's expecting the NFL to back down. The only question is if, and I don't think they will back down, if they don't back down, is Antonio Brown actually going to go through with this? Because I kind of think it's a bluff. But at the same time, I don't see the NFL backing down, and I don't really know if I see Antonio Brown backing down either. Like, I can't really imagine him coming out and being like, all right, fine, I was just messing around. All right, he's, I mean, he's, I think he meant it when he said, I don't need this. And if I decide I'm going to be done, I'm going to be done. And in his mind, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to play and I'm going to work hard and I'm going to do all this stuff, but it's going to be on my terms or I'm out of here. So a- anyways, the, the bigger picture here is, and I, you know, I'm not, I don't really care about calling people out. Everybody's entitled to their opinion and whatever, but at least in terms of a, a learning thing. There were a lot of Packer fans that wanted Antonio Brown on the team, including myself to a degree. I don't think I ever got to the point where it was more than 50% that I wanted him, but it was definitely exciting to think about. The thing is, the, the, the craziness, and I know that sounds mean if he does actually have an issue, but whatever. I mean, it's, he, he's acting crazy. That's just what it is. Whether it's because he actually is clinically crazy or if he's just a big goofball, I don't know. But the fact is, you got a guy who's acting crazy, and I don't want that on the team. And the, the bigger issue was his his locker room presence, the fact that he doesn't care, which was one of the big red flags I pointed out, and might have even been the turning point for me, is when he came out and just said, "I don't I don't need this anymore." For me, that was big, and that that ends up seeming to be the biggest issue right now. So again, you know, and and people get so big on their opinions. You had some people that are, you know, you're dumb if you don't think Antonio Brown would be a good football player. Blah 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 blah. I'm not going to call anybody out because, again, it's fine to think whatever you want, but getting better at this whole football thing is putting out a theory, testing it out, and, uh, you know, growing from that. This is a growing moment for you personally, and you know who you are. Just log it, right? You don't need to go flog yourself in the backyard and make penance for your sins or anything. I'm just saying log it in the back of your mind the next time a crazy person that's really good at football becomes available and you feel like you want to go on a, a, a war path screaming at everybody that doesn't want Antonio Brown or whoever on this team. Remember that the people who are a little nervous about bringing in somebody who acts a little nuts and doesn't seem to care about football and and their opinion is maybe we shouldn't bring him in because it makes me nervous, don't get super mad about it because they kind of have a point. And look, maybe the guy's going to play, he's going to put on the dumb helmet, he's going to play, he's going to tear it up and and still would have been fine, but just saying, this is a good learning tool for all of us. Red flags matter for a reason, and my goodness, apparently this has been going on for months too. (laughs) actually a little bit funny because he made a big deal about this and the Raiders kind of felt like they were in a good place like all right we got to figure it out he said he's gonna wear the helmet he shows up 
and he tries to sneak in his old helmet, which he painted with Raiders colors. He snuck in his old helmet, which was painted, and they caught him, and they're like, what are you doing, dude? Like, <laughs> it's not our helmet. You can't wear that. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't like he got out like a paintbrush and stuff and started to do it. Like, that's kind of what I pictured in my mind at first, and that's hilarious to think about. I'm sure it was professionally done because he's a very wealthy man. But then I guess he tried to sneak in a helmet a second time, so it's just this really weird thing where it's like, all right, man, you no, know, no, we're, we're, we're good, we're good. And then he tries to sneak in a helmet. It's like, no, what are you doing? I thought we were good. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. No, 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 we're good now. And he tries to sneak it in again. What are you doing? Stop! So... This is a good moment, at least for all of us, to come together and realize that Brian Gutekunst did the absolute best thing, but not offering. And I don't, as far as I know, they were never interested, other than having a few conversations about what do you think, it never really went anywhere. That's a good thing. We employ people that are very good at this. There's a lot of criticisms about uh, John Gruden and uh, about Mike Mayock in particular, about his abilities to actually be uh, GM. This doesn't bode very well. And, and the fact of the matter is that the Raiders are not afraid to bring in people like Richie Incognito. That's another one that's just a ticking time bomb. And, and you know, as much as, you know, the Rams did something kind of similar and it all panned out because everybody's playing ball, but they didn't get Antonio Brown and Richie Incognito. They went out and got guys that, you know, whatever. Maybe they're a little bit of hotheads or, you know, Dominican Sioux types. But, I mean, this thing is on the verge of absolutely imploding. If Incognito goes off, man, oh, man. But anyways, let's all uh, let's all just high five and be happy that uh, he's not on our team because this would be an absolute nightmare, and we don't have to hear about Mike Florio freaking out and and you know talking about how the Packers are going to be the worst team in the world and probably it would be Rogers' fault uh, to be honest. Lack of leadership causes forces Antonio Brown to uh, hate this team and why wouldn't he? Right, worst team in the history of the world. That guy's such a joke. But that brings us to the Green Bay Packers. I don't know how. wasn't really a segue, but let's pretend it was. That leads us right into what I wanted to talk about, which is the Packers. So, first of all, to be clear, almost nobody got a good grade about it on anything. And and please remember, preseason, right? This is preseason. But these are, in some cases, interesting little tidbits, like what I'm about to do now by giving you overall position-specific grades and things like that. Other things are a little bit more direct, like this player graded out really well, this player did terribly. But still remember, it's preseason. So... Not very many teams graded out positively. The Patriots, not surprisingly, were the second best team with a very good grade of 82.6. The only other team that graded out very well was actually the number one team, the New York Giants. And again, this is kind of kind of what we're talking about here, where you look at certain things like Daniel Jones did really well, and it's like, oh man, he's going to be so good. And then you look, and it's like, oh, him and Baker. Wow, Baker was really good too. And it kind of feels like the preseason is indicative of some things and and that it's going to tell us that Daniel Jones maybe is actually kind of good. The issue comes in when you kind of broaden the scope a little bit. For example, who was the number one quarterback through all of the preseason? It was Matt Barkley. Number two was Tyrod Taylor. And then you have Baker Mayfield and Daniel Jones. And then number five was Ryan Tannehill. So what exactly are we learning right now? Right, last year, Ryan Fitzpatrick in, in preseason week one was the best quarterback. Like, well, that's kind of telling you something. Tyrod Taylor was number two, obviously a dominant preseason guy. Nathan Peterman was the fifth best quarterback. So again, interesting to talk about, but let's keep preseason in the back of our minds, all right? So with that, and they don't have all the grades up right now, but out of 22 teams, the Packers are rated 17th, which is to say one of the worst overall. 
the Detroit Lions were the worst team um, in that preseason. The Texans were graded slightly higher. I know they lost, but not by much. They were the 15th best team. Overall, the Packers were graded pretty either average or negative in every single category with the exception of two. Uh, Number one was run defense, which seems a little bit surprising. But again, this is sort of a, a gathering of grades, so there might have been some players that were really, really solid. And we'll elaborate on that too. For example, Elton Jenkins, right? Horrible overall grade, but actually fairly positive when we look at it. But the the one thing, speaking of, that was graded very, very highly, and actually was the highest grade um, of anybody in the preseason, was pass blocking. The pass blocking grade uh, was 88.8, one of only four teams that were in the 80s, including the Giants, Patriots, and Baltimore Ravens. So very, very good considering offensive line, and especially offensive line depth is a pretty big concern. So to have all these newer guys come in and play as starters and actually play at a relatively high level, and it's it's against the Texans, and I know J.J. Watt isn't there, but they're they're kind of known for for defensive front, right? So, you know, again, all this with a grain of salt, but still good to see. Now, as far as negatives, again, most of this was pretty average, but there were two uh, really, really bad categories. Number one, not surprisingly, is tackling. So that'll maybe iron out a few things, that there's a discrepancy or a difference they separate out between run defense and tackling. So if the issue on a big play was that somebody missed a tackle, then maybe that isn't a negative run defense. I don't know. Whatever. But the Packers graded dead last in tackling. And it's actually really, really upsetting because this was a big problem last year. Um, You know, the, the Packers haven't really ever been great tacklers, but last year they were just abysmal at tackling. And I was really hoping that starting this year, we'd start to see some improvements. And it was just about as bad as you can get. And um, that needs to get better. And, you know, they're emphasizing takeaways, and that's great. They need to emphasize tackling. They need to absolutely get better at this. It's not acceptable to have so many missed tackles. I don't know how many times we've seen plays where, you know, the, I mean, the, first of all, the quarterback shouldn't have escaped. So that, that big pass on third down, it shouldn't happen because it should have been a sack. Or, you know, the guy should have been tackled behind the line of scrimmage instead he's able to scramble and pick up those three yards for a first I mean it's just it's always especially on big plays where it's like if somebody could just make a play it would have been fourth down and they're punting instead they convert because somebody didn't do their job and I'm tired of it and the bottom line is there's never been a a good defense in history that was bad at tackling it just doesn't happen good defenses are great tacklers and again everything about our defense looked great the the speed and the aggression was awesome but if you can't finish you're a garbage defense. It's all about finishing. Again, great coverage, but you give up the pass doesn't mean anything. Great pass rush, but you miss the sack doesn't count for anything. Great pursuit and great angle, but you miss the tackle that doesn't count. Finishing is what matters. Beyond that, the other category that the Packers were terrible in and actually by a lot, and it was they were, again, dead last in the category was coverage. Uh, the second worst team was the Indianapolis Colts with a grade of 52.6. The Packers were 37.4. Terrible, terrible, terrible. And I, I, again, I, I can already hear people through my headset saying, how could they have been so terrible? Look at all the takeaways. Eh. I mean, I, I remember one interception, and it was a to Kadar Holman with no real... I mean, it, it, it wasn't good coverage. I mean, he just was near the ball. So, you know... Good things happened when the Texans were throwing the ball, but that doesn't necessarily equate to tight coverage or pass breakups or winning 50-50 balls or any of that kind of stuff. So broad strokes, those are kind of the things we're looking at. Pass blocking was incredible. Uh, Run defense was decent enough. Everything else was pretty average except for tackling and coverage where the Packers were dead last of all these, let's see, was it 23 teams that currently have grades? 
hopefully some other teams will be low. I, I guess who cares? It's It still needs to get better. Um, some pretty positive news on the offensive side of the ball. The number one player, and again, this is a, a preseason thing, because it just from the standpoint of it's not my expectation. However, it's not something that you can overlook. The number one player on offense was Justin McCray. Not only did he fare really, really well as a pass blocker, but he was nearly as good as a run blocker, which is very rare, especially for Packers offensive linemen. Usually they're very good pass blockers, terrible run blockers. Justin McCray did a great job. Number two offensive player was actually Lucas Patrick. Very similar, just a tick below. So Justin McCray, 83 pass blocking grade. Lucas Patrick, 82. Justin McCray, 78 run blocking. Lucas Patrick, 77. After that was Anthony Coyle, very, very similar, slightly lesser as a run blocker, but still a good run blocker. All three of them had 70s uh, overall grades. The top three players were all backup offensive linemen, fantastic job. And then the fourth best was Deshaun Kaiser. Now, nobody outside of Justin McCray had a grade over 80, which is, you know, very good. But um, Kaiser, Kumaro, Shepard, Lazard, uh, Boyle, and Tanyan would be the remaining players in that order all in the 70s. Now, people that stood out as being terrible, not surprisingly, the worst, gr- lowest graded player on the team was Jamon Moore. Uh, after that was Darren Hall, the running back, who, you know, he only had six attempts, but uh, they didn't have a lot great to say about him. And, and to be honest, his run grade wasn't actually that terrible. And that's the reason I want to kind of go through and look more specifically, because sometimes these overall grades get impacted by really, really low grades in one category or the other. It was his grade as a receiver at 26, which is beyond abysmal, that lowered his grade. His, his run grade was actually average. Um, the third worst player was Elton Jenkins. Now, this is wildly disappointing. However, he had the highest pass blocking grade of anybody on the team. We'll get into that as far as what that rank, those rankings were incredible pass blocker, but his run blocking grade was a 35.8. So for those that are maybe new to this and don't know the the pro football focus scale, let me just run through it because there's a huge uptick in listeners. So I do use PFF a lot. 60 is dead average. So going up, I usually say 60s are average, 70s are good, 80s are very good, 90s are elite. Below 60, you know, I, I don't really have a specific terminology, but 50s would be below average, 40s would be bad. 30s are abysmal, and I just make up really horrible names beyond that. So Elton Jenkins with a 35.8 run blocking grade is really, really, really terrible. The next lowest that I can see off the top of my head here would be Robert Tanyan at 49.4, and he's a tight end. So really, really bad showing for him in the run blocking grade category. But again, best pass blocker in the group. So overall, I'm looking at Elton Jenkins as the third worst offensive lineman. And I got excited about Elton Jenkins because of how good he did in pass protection. Uh, The only other player that was in the 40s, in other words, a a really bad player, was quarterback Manny Wilkins. So I don't want to go through, again, all this stuff because it's preseason and it's super, it's super nuanced, right? I mean, it's, I'm not going to say, well, so-and-so didn't do very good because he got a 55. What I, it's, you know, I just want to, again, focus on the highlights and the lowlights a little bit because those are a little bit more important. Everything else, I mean, there's such volatility right now, and there's going to be so much growth and and people falling off when they go up against number ones and all that kind of stuff. It's not really worth going, well, he was a 70, and he was a 50, and he was a 45, right? I, I care about Elton Jenkins, really good pass blocker, really bad run blocker. Got to work on the run blocking. Super excited about pass blocking, right? Those are the big cliff notes that I care about at this particular point in time. And then watching that growth as the preseason goes on. 
Uh, looking specifically at the offensive line, again, as far as pass blocking, which is the most important, there were six that were in the 80s, so very good grades. Those six include Elton Jenkins um, at guard, and I'll, I'll try to remember to go through and look at snap counts as well, but they listed him at guard, meaning that's where most of his, his snaps took place. It'll be interesting to look at where they all played. But Elton Jenkins at guard, uh, second best pass blocker was Alex Light at tackle. Then Adam Pankey also at tackle, followed by Justin McRae at center, and then uh, Anthony Coyle at guard, and Lucas Patrick also at center. So the two guys that played center actually were the top two. And I'll throw in as a bonus, Yash Nijman uh, playing tackle. Super long shot, probably not going to make the team, so I'll definitely highlight him. Uh, not a great run blocking grade, but was very close to, he had a 79.3, so very, very close to being a uh, you know, very good pass blocker. On the negative side of it, everybody had an average or better grade with the exception of two, neither of which were offensive linemen. Evan Bayless uh, was in the 50s, so below average. And then Dexter Williams had a really, really terrible pass blocking grade down into the 30s. So, you know, it's interesting with Dexter because there seems to be a discrepancy between the the fan base and the, I guess I'll call them fan media, which is kind of like what I am, right, fanalist. Don't usually think of myself that way, but whatever. They really like Dexter, and a lot of it has to do with his athleticism, his explosion, all that stuff. But if you listen to the coaches, they don't seem as high on him, right? And you see Trey Carson kind of getting a lot of snaps. And I think it's it's really just a matter of there's the tools, but there's a lot of growth that needs to be done. There's, you know, the, the technique and, again, how he's running and all these kinds of things, and also things like blocking. I think there's a lot of stuff to iron out. So, you know, a lot of potential, but there's I, th- I think there's still a long way to go, and pass blocking is going to have to be a big one for him. He needs to get better at that. And I guess we'll look right now because I'm going to forget, but Elton Jenkins uh, looks like he played 29 snaps at right guard, 15 at center. And I don't think I care to look at the rest because I just don't care. So <laughs> I do care about Elton, though, because I'm, I'm curious what his role is going to be in this. If he's going to be a starter, where is he going to be a starter? I don't know. At this point, it definitely seems like he's going to be a backup and uh, a versatile guard center backup, which makes me sad, but that's all right. Quarterback grades. Basically, Deshaun and Tim Boyle graded out uh, while well, they had good grades. Uh, Manny Wilkins was not good at all may have seen on Twitter somebody threw it out there but uh, Tim Boyle was the 17th highest graded quarterback and uh, Brett Hundley was oops see I did it it's Deshaun Kaiser was 12th Brett Hundley was 25th so again it you know doesn't mean a ton remember Matt Barkley top quarterback in the NFL nailed it Ryan Tannehill number five gonna just kill it in Tennessee but still it's it's a positive thing um, I still stand by what I said that he was, I, I wasn't super pleased with it, right? It's, you know, you take the positive with the negative, but, you know, I, I just, I, I like to see more consistency as well. And that's true of just about every player at every position, probably more so at quarterback. But I, it's just, it's not okay to have such low lows next to the highs. So again, hopefully you can kind of iron that out. The other thing that I thought was kind of interesting and I would say a positive for um, Deshaun Kaiser being a pretty good quarterback as opposed to the other two and again I know there's a lot of big Tim Boyle fans and that's cool and maybe I'm reading too much into this but if you look at PFF also has grades and statistics based on pressure so they have no pressure and under pressure and then they have not blitzed and wind blitzed I usually don't look at blitz because it doesn't I don't know 
I'm more concerned about whether or not pressure got home. But the bottom line is Deshaun Kaiser was steady Eddie across every single one of these categories, which is pretty rare. But he was just as good under pressure as he was without pressure, and that's awesome. If you look at Tim Boyle, and, you know, small sample size, so it's tough to say, but his grades when he was under pressure were actually a lot higher than when he was pressured. That's not something that you find to be sustainable. That, to me, just kind of says he was just kind of playing wild and crazy and it panned out. You're not going to be that successful as a number three quarterback against starting defenses when you're under pressure. So this just has, you know, preseason, letting it all hang out, having some success, kind of, I don't know, fluky, I guess, is is the best way I can put it. It's fluky. Uh, Rushing grades looking specifically at just running the ball. Nobody actually graded out in the good category. Um, the, The number one rusher, though, was Dexter Williams. He was, you know, high average, 66. After that, Darren Hall was rated about average, and then Trey Carson was actually the lowest-graded runner, uh, low 50s. As far as uh, receiving grades for the running backs, Dexter Williams was the top guy again. Very, very close to being a good grade, 68. Uh, That's followed by Danny Vitale, who was rated about average. Trey Carson slowly, or just barely behind him, and then Darren Hall, as I mentioned, really, really, really low grade there. And then finally, pass blocking grades. Uh, Danny Vitale was number one. I mentioned he was a very, very good pass blocker from what I could glean from last year, so he's continuing on with that. Uh, he had a good grade, 76. Trey Carson was actually also right behind him, 75. That's going to work to his benefit for sure. And then uh, Dexter Williams, who I think I mentioned, had a really, really low pass blocking grade. Looking at the wide receivers and specifically, well, I shouldn't say that. Looking at receiving grades overall, let's just say. So this is tight ends, wide receivers, running backs, fullback. Number one highest graded receiver on the team, Robert Tanyan. Not the highest grade overall of all the receivers, but as far as receiving grades go, he was top. Second was Darius Shepard. Third was Jake Kumaro. Fourth was Alan Lazard. So nothing super surprising. The guys that stood out, stood out for a reason. They played really, really well. Uh, the only ones with, with bad grades, Darren Hall, Jamon Moore, Pharaoh McKeever, the tight end. Otherwise, it was a whole lot of average. So basically all the starters, not a whole lot from Equinemius or Marquez or anything uh, on the day. As far as the overall grades, Jake Kumaro was the highest graded receiver of the group. But anyways, let's, um, let's take a break and then we'll go over the defense right quick. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. So we'll start at the bottom as far as overall grades on the defense. There was actually quite a bit. Uh, half the team was actually below average, which isn't great. Um, out of 27 total grades, 10 of them were below 50. So over one-third were f- straight up bad, and four of them actually were below 40. So lots of stuff to iron out here. Don't know how to say the guy's name, but the lowest grade of anybody was Mr. Nider Rouse. Rousey? Rousers? Rousenstein. All right, there we go. Rousey Rousenstein. Uh, basically, his coverage grade was the, the biggest uh, issue. 28.8 was his coverage grade. Um, tackling grade was also below average. 
just not a good showing. Uh, linebacker Brady Shelton was the second lowest. Also really bad in coverage. Not great in tackling. Not great in run defense. Third lowest was Oren Burks. Now, Oren Burks got hurt, so he only played six total snaps, so it was a very limited sample size. These other guys were playing plenty. Uh, Mr. Rosenstein was 25 snaps. Brady Shelton was 23 snaps. The next lowest, unfortunately, was Mr. Kyler Fackrell, 33 snaps. Um, his tackling was just 25 was his grade. I don't know that I've, if I can find anything lower than a 25. Oh, I can. We'll get to that. But really, really bad. Uh, coverage was in the 40s. Pass rush was in the high 50s, so just slightly below average. Run defense was in the 40s, so everything was terrible. Uh, next was safety Natrell Jamerson. Again, tackling was the biggest issue. Really, really, really low. Coverage was below average. Run defense was really, really low. Uh, Ty Summers was actually quite low. Now, his run defense grade was pretty high. It was, it was about 70, so it was good. But tackling, we saw several times with the missed tackles, uh, one of which was on a quarterback, which is just inexcusable. Uh, his coverage was also extremely low. Um, another one, and basically I'm just going up through the the 40s. Uh, not a great sign, but very low sa- uh, sample size. They're obviously keeping him on somewhat of a snap count was Darnell Savage. Actually, was there's only nine snaps, so it's not even that high to... Uh, it doesn't really matter, I guess. But you'd like to see something a little bit more from Darnell. It's actually kind of strange they still got him on a snap count. I don't know if it's just because, maybe just mentally because he came in late, he's just nowhere near where he needs to be, which would explain the not super great grade. You know, we we got to get him some playing time, but I mean, he doesn't know what he's doing out there. Uh, another guy, uh, Mr. Sagapolu, Olive, I think is his name, Sagapolu. Worst tackling grade of the group, 19.5. Very, very, very rare to see a grade that low. However, only four snaps. So again, he didn't have a lot of, of opportunities, but um, you know, when, when you have very few opportunities and, and a couple of those opportunities are missed tackles, it's not going to bode very well for you. And then the last two below 50, Reggie Gilbert and Randy Ramsey. Now, I know that's surprising because those are the two guys that had sacks, but for Reggie Gilbert, again, it was the tackling, 25, and then his coverage was a 41. So really, really not great there. Randy Ramsey, actually one of the few that had a very good tackling grade, but his coverage was low. Pass rush was average. Run defense was pretty average. And so overall, he was just a shade below 50. Um, of the guys that really showed up, there were two that were very, very, very high. The number one player on defense was Curtis Bolton. 22 snaps, nine of them in run defense, two in pass rush, 11 in coverage. They gave him, he so he had an elite overall grade. He had an elite coverage grade, an NFL passer rating of 39.6 when targeted, one pass breakup. Basically, he had one target and he broke up the pass is, is kind of how that played out. Um, of his nine run defense uh, opportunities, he had uh, one stop, including, or three total tackles, including a stop. Uh, the guy just played really, really well. Uh, the second one, very close to an elite grade, was Raven Green. That one was pretty evident. He was everywhere. It was really good to see him um, all over the field when there was a tackle, even close to the line of scrimmage or even possibly behind the line of scrimmage. Raven Green was a part of it. 23 total snaps, 9 of them in run defense, 14 of them in coverage. His run defense grade was elite. Now, his coverage grade was average. It was actually a little above average, 65. Tackling grade was very good. It was an 80, which is really high, one of the highest of anybody. And then again, his run defense grade was a 90.3. So, I mean, he's, as far as him, and again, preseason, I get all that, but as far as him possibly sliding into that um, that hybrid linebacker role, this is what you want to see, right? Coverage would be nice if that was a little higher, 
but a solid tackler and just being all over the place and having a great, great run defense grade um, bodes pretty well. Looking at these specific categories, I mentioned Raven Green had an elite grade. Um, the only other guy that had a very good grade was James Looney. I'm not going to go through all the bad grades because I pretty much went through all of them. Natrell Jamerson, Kyler Fackrell, Brady Shelton, all these guys, you know. Actually, this is run. I'm sorry, run defense. Did I say tackling? Those are the bad run defense grades. But the elite run defender, Raven Green, uh, James Looney, again, very, very good day as far as his ability to uh, stop the run. Um, and I guess I'll, I'll mention the next two because they had good grades. They were in the 70s, both 76. Dion Simon, the defensive lineman, and Will Redmond, the safety. Tackling, again, really, really, really bad. Uh, one, two, three, four, five in the 20s, and one below 20 is just insane. One, two, three, four, five in the 40s. I mean, that, that's that's terrible. That has to be corrected. Uh, if Mike Pettin doesn't make that an emphasis, that's a problem. Um, but the guys that did show up, Will Redmond was the top tackler, 82. Trey Matthews, say, actually all, th- all three of the top guys, all three. So three guys were in the 80s, and all three of them were safeties. Will Redmond, Trey Matthews, and Raven Green. Um, and then, you know, I guess honorable mention would go to Kabion Ento, who, I, as I mentioned, seemed to have a pretty good day. He didn't have a great uh, coverage grade. In fact, nobody did with the exception of Curtis Bolton, which is problematic. Again, Packers had the lowest graded coverage unit. But, um, I mean, I, I thought he had a pretty good ga- game. Um, Curtis Bolton had a, well, we'll get to it, but a, a borderline elite pass rush grade. In fact, he was one of the only ones to have that high of a pass rush grade. I'm sorry. I'm talking about Curtis Bolton. I was trying to talk about KB on Ento. I don't know how I, I'm, I'm, it's been a very long day, man. Got another project. I was doing recording for about two hours at three o'clock this morning. That's why this podcast is late. I'm I'm right at the end of my rope, so I apologize if I'm not making sense. But let's talk about pass rush. Curtis Bolton. Now he had a borderline elite grade, but he only had two pass rush attempts, so it doesn't really matter. The second highest was James Crawford. Again, only two attempts. the The highest graded pass rusher of a guy that actually had a lot of attempts was drum roll, Mr. Kingsley Kiki. Now it wasn't the greatest in the world. However, uh, 28 attempts. He had three uh, total pressures. All three of them were hurries. So uh, if you listen to uh, Mont- Jerry Montgomery, the defensive line coach, he said that he missed a couple sacks and he needs to be able to do better. And, you know, we expect these to be sacks. But, you know, for his first showing to kind of come out and, and essentially, in my opinion, be the top pass rusher um, on the day, that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, two other guys that had pretty positive pass rush grades, Tyler Lancaster and Montrevious Adams. Um, together, they each had one uh, total pressure, and both of them were hurries. Otherwise, there's a whole lot of average 50s and 60s. The only one that had a really low pass rush grade that kind of doesn't matter is cornerback Chandon Sullivan. Uh, they gave him four attempts at rushing the passer. A lot of people had attempts, actually, if you look at it. a lot of I mean, everybody, safeties, corners, a lot of people. But they gave Chandon Sullivan a ton of attempts for a corner, but uh, he couldn't quite convert it. As far as uh, numerically, if you look at total pressures, uh, Marcus Jones, edge rusher, had three total pressures. Obviously not a very well-known guy, and he didn't grade out all that well. Maybe he did terrible in his other attempts. I don't know. Kyler Fackrell had three pressures. James Looney and Randy Ramsey and Deion Simon had two. And then uh, Brady Sheldon, Oren Burks, Tyler Lancaster, Rashawn Gary, Curtis Bolton, Ty Summers, Montrevious Adams, Reggie Gilbert, and Will Redmond all had one pressure. Everyone else had zero. And a good portion of those zeros didn't have attempts. So, And a little bit more detail, although this is all kind of filled in. 
but uh, Randy Ramsey, Reggie Gilbert had the sacks. There were zero hits for the rest of the group, which isn't really good considering, you know, there were people in, in position. Uh, Rashawn Gary, you know, was very close on a lot of these, um, but the rest were all, were all hurries. There were 22 total hurries for the team. Um, and then finally, I guess we'll look at coverage. And as I mentioned, Curtis Bolton was the top guy. He had 11 attempts, so it's not a super small sample size. I think he did a great job. Um, the next, so he was a 90.3. The next highest was a 67.3, so massive drop-off. There wasn't even anyone that was in the very good or good category. It dropped straight to average. But that would be three safeties in a row. Trey Matthews was the next best cover guy, tw- uh, 20 snaps. Raven Green, and then Mike Tyson. Um, after that, it drops down into the low 60s and then into the 50s. And again, I'll, I'll miss a lot of those, but several, several really bad coverage grades. Uh, Rockin' Rousey over here was the lowest. Uh, Ty Summers was the second. Then Brady Shelton, Reggie Gilbert, Kyler Fackrell, Oren Burks, Darnell Savage, and Randy Ramsey were all below 50. So there's clearly a lot to iron out, um, you know, and it's, again, it's preseason, so you're trying different stuff. This isn't exactly indicative of what would happen week one. You know, again, there's there's people on this team that are talented that are going to do better than what they're doing in the preseason. There are also people who are doing really well in the preseason that it's not necessarily going to translate to the regular season. But, again, I wanted to highlight some of the highlights, highlight some of the lowlights. Oh, and I suppose I should do special teams real quick. Let's do special teams because there's not that much. Um, as far as, as terrible performers... Tail Redding was really, really bad. Chandon Sullivan, Raven Green, and uh, Rockin' Rousey. The uh, he, he, I'm trying to think of a cool wrestler name for him, and Rockin' Rousey is where I'm at right now, but I'll work on that. But the guy that really stood out as being super positive, and really he only had three snaps, but Equinemius St. Brown. Uh, he had one snap on kick return, uh, one on kick coverage, and one on punt coverage. Uh, 91.1. So a small sample size, but really, really solid. Uh, another guy that did pretty well was Hunter Bradley, the long snapper. We saw him have that tackle, which is pretty cool. That was one of the things about him is that he's actually really athletic. So his ability to snap it and get down the field is pretty impressive. And then uh, Randy Ramsey and Kyler Fackrell also did pretty well. Uh, as far as the kickers, Mason Crosby and Sam Ficken, both two extra points made. Neither of them had any field goals. J.K. Scott, they gave, gave a grade of 62.6. And it's, you know, with the, with the punters, they don't give a lot of really high or really low grades, I've noticed. So 62 is above average, so I'll, I'll take it. But five attempts, 228 yards, 45.6 yards per attempt, 39.8 net, which we really need to get some better statistics for punting because it's all not great. Yards per attempt is a problem because if, what if you're kicking from the 50? You don't want to boot it long, and that's going to hurt your average. Net depends on your, you know, whether somebody returns it and how far, which depends on how good the returner is, and it all is entirely dependent on your coverage guys going to make tackles, which none of those two factors have anything to do with uh, the punter. His longest was 56 yards. That does have to do with the punter, and that's very, very far. He kicked two inside the 20. Uh, one of them, uh, the, one of the punts was fair caught, and his average hang time was a 4.59. So, you know, it, again, and I'm sitting here arguing with some guy on Twitter for no reason, just miserable. Don't, don't be miserable, right? There's a lot of bad stuff, but it's the preseason, right? Rashawn Gary didn't have all the production, and he's not going to go cry in a corner somewhere and get over it. Give me a break. I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that the Packers are going to win the Super Bowl. I don't know what's going to happen. Let's give these guys some opportunity. This this is when they're learning how to do stuff, right? Kingsley Kiki's got a lot to learn. He's got a long way to go. He just has nothing but raw tools. 
Darnell Savage has nothing but raw tools. Rashawn Gary has nothing but raw tools. There's there's a lot of guys who have raw tools that have a lot of learning to do. Dexter Williams, raw tools. You know, that, that's going to take some time, and that, that's going to pour into week one. There's going to be mistakes. There's going to be missed tackles. There's going to be opportunities left on the field, and it's going to be hard to watch. But this is going to take some time. Give the coaches time to coach them up. Give the players time to learn, you know, and just rely on that, you know, when, when it happens, it's going to happen. Right? It, it might take a couple more snaps than it should, but Dexter's going to break one. Rashawn's going to level a quarterback on just a freakishly looking play, and maybe he should have done it two plays ago, but messed up. I don't know, but you know what? It's going to happen, and just give it some time. Let it just, you know, it's, it's the first week of preseason. Everybody needs to just relax. There's, there's nothing really to be super upset about, right? The, the Packers are, are they're where they need to be. It's just a matter at, at this point of growth, right? At week two, hopefully we see some growth. We still got week three. After that, we still got week four. And then we got a week to, to practice up before we get to the Bears game, in which case we're going to have, you know, a, a, a better scheme and there's going to be better, you know, it's going to be more alive and real and, and the players are going to actually be a little bit better than they were in the preseason. But again, this is very preliminary. This is very just very early. And I know we're excited, but please try to relax a little bit. But anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. i got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Saturday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.